This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Breaking Pod, everybody. I am Josh, joined as always by my co-host and founder of this podcast, Zach. Zach, how are you? Doing well, Josh. I think you should give yourself credit as co-founder of this podcast. Co-host and co-founder, yeah. There you go. There you go. I always like to, to defer to my uh, co-host when no. I introduce things. But, you've, you've been a part of it since day day one. So that's you, true. We, we are even, co-founders together. Even technically day zero, because we discussed this before we even recorded a single sentence. I remember that. That was back in the days when uh, South by Southwest was still a thing. Uh, <laughs> back when people could be in the same room with someone else. Exactly. Uh, it was, <laughs> yeah. if I'm not mistaken, March 2019. And you were right. visiting us in Austin. That's and right. we did a podcast about uh, baseball, I think, right? Baseball. What is that? What is baseball? I don't remember. What is baseball? Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, again, that was back in the days when baseball was a thing. So this is um, we're living in a in a brave new world, Josh. That's right. I don't know how much our listeners of Breaking Pod care about baseball, but just let me get your thirty second take on whether or not you think this idea potentially to play baseball in Florida and Arizona this season only. Is that a good idea or not? It is a great idea. I love it. Great idea. Okay. Yeah, great idea. Interesting. In fact, when it came out, I uh, I wrote on Twitter, be right back, driving to Arizona <laughs> or Florida now. Um, yeah, so is it ideal? No. Is it as good as having all of the teams play in their home stadiums in what we are used to seeing in a baseball season? Definitely not. But baseball is baseball, and I'd rather have... Baseball. I'd rather have some baseball to watch on TV than nothing at all. Right now, my MLB.TV subscription is just going to waste <laughs> because I can't watch anything. Now, they have That's these right. like they have these free classic games. I'm sure. not really a classic game kind of guy. Uh, there are exceptions. For example, I watched you know games from the 2016 World Series the other day, and that was fun. Sure. But yeah. I'm not going to just like tune in to daily reruns of classic games. I like right. live games. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I think the idea is okay. I think that they're going to have trouble playing in Arizona in the middle of summer, so they'll have to figure that out. True. Other than the Diamondback Stadium, which is a true dome stadium, which would be fine. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's an interesting idea. We'll see. I hope we get baseball this year. That's all I'll say. Well, the corollary, in, in whatever form, the corollary in the NBA is this proposal to bring them all to Vegas, for example, and have true. them all finish the season there in one city, which would be very interesting. True. The only difference is that basketball has far fewer players than baseball, which that's a lot of players, especially yeah. if they're talking about expanding the rosters. So, and and honestly, I think your your Philadelphia Phillies are going to have a, a tough time in their new division where they're playing some heavy hitters, including the New York Yankees in this yes in this new realigned division they'd have to do. Yeah, I think the uh, the Grapefruit League would be the odds-on favorite to win the World Series over sure, the Cactus definitely. League. Definitely, you got the the Yankees, the Nationals, the Phillies. You got the Braves. Braves. I mean, Braves, Braves are the team I'm looking at this year. The Braves are going to be, be tough. I think Astros go to the Cactus League, don't they? No, they're in. They're in Florida. Are they really? Yeah, yeah. And they share a spring training stadium with the Nationals. Yeah. The well, one thing so that, then who's in? I mean, who's in uh, Arizona? The Dodgers, I guess. Right. Yeah. The as Dodgers. far as like contenders. I will say one one last thing about baseball before we move on. The the idea that they could potentially cancel the season and that Mookie Betts would play zero games in a Dodger uniform and the Red hilarious. Sox traded him. Hilarious. hilarious. I, so that funny. would be, that'd be crazy. 
All right. Well, that's enough about baseball. Thank you to our listeners for indulging us for a moment. <laughs> we'll have to jump on the sports feed and talk about baseball at some point if it comes back. Let's do but it. But Zach, today we are going to talk about season three, episode four of Breaking Bad. The episode is called Green Light. And as always, we are going to start with our two minute Wikipedia summary. Then we will give that a grade, tell you how we thought they did summarizing the episode. Are you ready for the summary? I am. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I actually don't read these ahead of time. I, I don't either. I select them and copy, paste them right into our notes, but I don't actually read them. So it is a delight every time. It's, it's like a box of chocolates. You never That's know right. what you're going to get. Absolutely. All right. So the two minute summary for Greenlight goes like this. Jesse gives meth to a cashier in exchange for gasoline. Meanwhile, Walt makes a scene at Skyler's workplace while confronting Ted, but Mike removes Walt before police can arrive. Saul tries to convince Walt to continue producing meth, but Walt refuses the offer and loses Saul's help laundering money. Walt loses his job and is met by Jesse, who has produced a new batch of meth on his own. Walt rejects Jesse's product as substandard, and Jesse resolves to sell the product to Gus himself. Gus reluctantly agrees to the purchase, anticipating that Walt's pride and financial need may convince him to accept his business proposition. Jesse only receives half the payment, while the second half is delivered to Walt. Meanwhile, Skyler continues her affair with Ted, and Hank forgoes his transfer to El Paso in order to pursue a new lead at a gas station the RV that Walt and Jesse used at the beginning. The beginning of what, you might ask? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. <laughs> Zach, Zach, uh, what do you give this summary? First of all, while you were reading that, Josh, I realized that my video is not on. So apologies. I was not no trying to hide from you all evening. I, uh, I thought it was on and then uh, just realized while you were reading it that it wasn't. So, so here I am. Hello. Uh, second, this is actually maybe the best summary we've read so far, Josh. Yeah. Very factually accurate yeah. to the episode. Uh, not super well written, but you're right. No. Factually accurate. Uh, covers all the bases. I'm going to give this one a... I'm torn between a B and a B minus, but I think I'm going to give it a B because I grade on a relative scale. So yeah. relative to its peers in the episode synopsis <laughs> category, I would say a B. Yeah, I, I'm going to give it a C plus. I'm a little wow. less bullish on it than you. But, wow. you know, I think that the part of the problem is, again, we, we've talked about this before, but it just doesn't quite cover some of the, the, the nitty gritty details that I think are necessary to understanding the episode. So, for example, this idea that Jesse gives meth to a cashier in exchange for gasoline, that becomes a really huge part of the episode. Because that comes back at the end when Hank then goes to that same gasoline, they, or gasoline ga, gas station. Yeah. Sorry, not gasoline. He doesn't go to the gasoline. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> he goes to the gas station, but it's the same one that Jesse's already gone to. So the character repeats, and I think that's an important thing that doesn't tie together in the summary. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a C plus instead that's, of a in the B territory. That's fair. I'm I'm going to downgrade my grade. I'm going to take it from a B to a B minus because as you were reading that first sentence, I was just reading we're. Or I was just thinking, we're being introduced to this sentence with no context at all. Exactly. Jesse gives meth to a cashier in exchange for gasoline. Right. Where is he going? Where is, <laughs> is he, he coming, coming from? from? Yeah. Where is he? I mean, all exactly. of these things that we don't know, right? So uh, we could have we could have read something like, after a cook in the desert, Jesse nearly runs out of gasoline and has to bribe a gas station cashier yeah. for gasoline. Exactly. It's like five extra words. That's right. all they need. Right. Is there anything in the summary that we need to talk about that we're not going to, that's important to, to the progression of the, the season or the series that we're not going to talk about in our best scene, best writing, best moment, anything you can pick out 
that you can think of? Uh, just real quick, I don't. I wasn't planning. If you were, that's fine. We can. I wasn't planning on talking a ton about uh, Hank for going the transfer. Yeah, but I think that's pretty important. It'll become more important as the season goes on, especially in the next episode. I think. Yeah, but it's. No, worth I an, think you're right. It, it's worth a nod here, right? He's uh, he's clearly experiencing PTSD from his first uh, brush with uh, El Paso cartels uh, when he was almost blown up by um, by that IED. Uh, and he doesn't want to go back. It's pretty clear. You know, he he puts on the tough man veneer, uh, but he is not the same Hank that we had in seasons one and the first half of two. He's fundamentally different, and he doesn't want to go back to El Paso. So he uses this reappearance of the blue meth, as he calls it, as an excuse to not go, and that has ramifications for the story further down the line. Yeah, no, that was the only thing I was going to point out in this episode. I, I think that he has a big enough part in episode five that we can wait and talk about Hank then. But yes, yeah, certainly keep an eye on Hank in this episode and we'll talk more about him in episode five. All right, Zach, any other broader thoughts and themes you want to go over before we jump into best scene? The only thing I'll say is that this is, in my mind, not not the finest Breaking Bad episode out there, to, to put not, it mildly. No. Not a huge fan of this episode. I don't dislike it. It is one of the slower moving episodes like we've talked about, but even the the more tense scenes in this episode, I think just sort of fall flat. And that's in part the fault of casting. Uh, for example, we've been pretty critical before of the man who plays Ted Beneke, mm-hmm. just not yep. an actor who can turn on the fireworks. And he's in some scenes in this where we, we really kind of need to see some fireworks, but we don't. So those scenes, I think, fall flat. Um, and... And yeah, I think that sort of brings the brings the episode down. Uh, so there's some there's some character development deficiencies, and overall the the sequence is pretty uh, pretty slow. Um, the gas station cashier, I think, uh, not a t- not a bad actress, but but overacts a little bit as well, and kind of hurts those scenes that could have been a little bit more uh, vivid. Um, so yeah, not my favorite episode. I did want to ask, speaking of the gas station cashier, before we jump into best scene, best rating, best moment, because I don't think we're going to talk about this, but, you know, at the beginning of the episode, we see Jesse come in. He doesn't have cash because he's spent it all to buy the house from his parents, seemingly, and he doesn't have any money to pay for gas for the RV. So he attempts to exchange the meth with this cashier. He's very callous in in the in his interaction with the cashier and i don't mean that in like he's a, he's rude but like he's very maybe maybe the better word is he's very bold because there's a police officer who comes in a new mexico state police officer who comes into the gas station to buy i don't know a drink or something and he's right behind him and jesse is holding the bag of meth in his hand trying to hand it over i don't think this is a side of jesse we've seen before do you think that this is because he's just done this cook all by himself and he's feeling empowered or what is it? Cause I, I don't remember seeing this side of Jesse before. Maybe we have in previous seasons, but certainly not in this season up to this point. I think you're right. This is a new side of Jesse, but I think it's more than simply just that he did his own cook. I think that's part of it. And he is feeling pretty cocky. And we see that when, uh, when he shows what he's done to Walt as well, he's pretty proud of himself and he's like, I can do this now. Right. Uh, but also recall the past couple episodes, the character transition or transformation, I should say, that we've seen in Jesse really beginning with Jane's death and his stint in rehab, uh, where he recognized 
you know, to appreciate himself for who he is and he's the bad guy. So he's kind of coming into his own in a very unhealthy way, obviously, but he's feeling much more confident and comfortable in his own skin in that sense. No, that makes sense. That That's probably a better uh, reason than just he was able to cook it himself. Although I think that it should be said, every other time we've seen them cook meth, Jesse has seemed totally out of his element. So for the fact that he was able to produce anything, regardless of the fact that, as Walt later says, it's cloudy and it's not a pure shade of blue, I, I would think he'd be pretty impressed with himself. It's like an amateur carpenter being able to put together you know, something. As listeners of my other podcast, The Popped Cast, know, I once attempted to build a stool and never completed yes. the stool, but had oh, I completed it, it? <laughs> no, uh, we, we won't get into it here. It's an embarrassing story. Maybe one day, now that, it, now that I live in a house and have more space, that certainly was the excuse I was giving before. It's not a true yeah, sure. reason. But, you know, being able to complete something, even if it's not a professional version, I can imagine would bolster your confidence. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's move on to best scene here. Both of us have the same best scene. And I don't know about you, but the reason that I picked this is just because it's a it's both a fun moment in the show, but I think it also speaks to uh, character development as well. So what we're talking about here is the scene where Walt storms into Benicky's what, what is the company called? Benicky International? Benicky? I don't know. It just... It's I, No, I don't know. It's not. It's Benicky something, I think. Like ben okay. Benicky Fabrication or I don't know. Okay. So ben, maybe, anyway. maybe, maybe it's Benicky Engineering. Okay. That, that makes sense. So Walt storms into this company. He wants to speak to Ted Benicky because obviously the end of the last episode, IFT, Skylar revealed to Walt that she was then sleeping with Ted Benicky in a very uh, rude and, uh, you know, weaponized way, but Walt now knows. And what we hear earlier in the episode is, you know, with this bug that Mike has placed at Walt's house, we hear a little bit of a conversation that Walt and Skylar had, you assume, after that IFT conversation. And so Walt is, he's mad. And the weapon that Skylar used worked, and now he has stormed into Benicky's to... I don't know, what is he going to do? Uh, beat him up? I mean, is that his intention? It seems like he's at least ready to do that. Uh, let's listen to it and, uh, and then talk about it. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Excuse me, Mr. Benicky's not available. Ted? Come on. Sir. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ted, I can see you. I can see you standing right there in your office. Now, come on. Open the door. Come on, let's talk. I just want to talk. That's all. Come on, let's be men about this, huh? Okay. How about that? Aha! Hey, uh, Walt, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. Oh, yes, you are. So open the door. Yeah, so, so the scene between the two of them, so basically Walt is standing outside of Ted's office, which is locked, and he's looking through the window of his office, and after that interaction... Walt attempts to throw a very large potted plant through the window, which does not work. The potted plant bounces off the window and crashes into the floor. Walt is then removed by security where he's picked up by Mike. That, I think, is the funniest part of the whole scene, by the way, when Absolutely. he tries to <laughs> throw the big pot through the glass. So I think that the the scene on its face is funny. Like, it's a funny interaction. It's, uh, you know, for those that don't know, Brian Cranston has done comedic acting in the past. He was on Malcolm in the Middle before he was on Breaking Bad. 
So he certainly has comedic chops as, as well as dramatic chops. So that certainly is sh- shown in this scene. But the reason I also like it in terms of a best scene is because I think it shows a side of Walt that we've seen before from time to time, which is Walt out of control and him wanting to gain some semblance of control. And he certainly, in most cases, does not know how to regain control properly. And so his attempt here is to storm into the office and whatever he says, like, face it like a man, which I assume means, you know, throw down their boxing gloves and and fight, I, I guess. So is for me, that was why I chose this as the best scene. In addition to it being funny, I think it shows a side of Walt that's important to understand for him as a character. Yeah, I chose it mostly because of the funny factor uh, in an otherwise slow episode that lacks development. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned, Ted Beneke just kind of falls flat here, even in his one line. It's, it's not super well delivered. It's only funny because of Brian Cranston's reaction. He's like, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are in the middle of something. Um, great great so, writing, too, by the way. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I... Um, I've, I chose it mostly because it's funny, but now that you mention it, I like your point about how this shows Walt you know, grasping for control. Of course, I don't fault him for grasping for control in this circumstance where uh, he is dealing with a man who uh, has slept with his wife. Uh, however, Walt is certainly far from blameless in his own right and has very much pushed Skylar away, so he is largely to blame for the decision she has made. But But this is now, I think, the third, well, the second, I guess, of three occasions in recent history where we've seen Walt lose his temper. We saw him lose his temper with the cop when he got pepper sprayed. And that's Josh, when you told uh, your great story about pepper spray in the library in college. Uh, And then now, and then we'll talk about this scene in just a moment, but uh, picking up Saul and throwing him across his own office. So Walt is losing his temper more and more frequently. Not the first time we've seen it, but it's becoming more of a pattern with him. It shows how he doesn't feel powerful. I think that he's grasping for something that he doesn't have right now. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. All right, should we move on to best writing? Yes, let's do it. All right, Zach, why don't you kick us off with your best writing scene for this episode? Yeah, sure. So uh, my best writing scene, and now I will say it's kind of slim pickings, um, but I did like this moment between Gus and Mike when uh, Gus tells Mike to go ahead and do the deal with Walt uh, or with uh, Jesse, despite the fact that Walt is telling Gus he's he's out of the game and, and not interested no moss. Uh, exactly. No moss. No moss. So I will uh, play that real quick and then we'll talk about it. What I hear, he and Walter are splitsville. Really? That's what Goodman says. Cats and dogs. Do the deal. Mm. So uh, you hear Mike's little mmm at the end there. He was surprised. Uh, because actually, just prior to that, if you recall, um, Gus says, I don't work with junkies. And Mike says, that's what I thought you'd say. That's probably a good call. I hear he and the kid are on the splitsville. Anyway, um, the, the, the thing I like about the writing here, and this is a general trend with me and, and what I appreciate about scenes here, but I like how the main character or one of the main characters in the scene turns on your head, turns on its head, your expectations about the scene. So we thought Gus was going one way. And even Mike thought Gus was going one way. That's what I thought you'd say. Yada, yada, yada. I don't do a very good Mike impression. but (laughs) So he says, that's what I thought you'd say. And we're thinking, yeah, that's what I thought you'd say as well. And then Mike inserts a little bit of extra information that Gus 
takes and processes somehow. We don't know what's going on in his mind, but there's some sort of machinations that are going on there. And then he totally flips it around and says, do the deal. And I just like how that's used as a as a screenplay plot device to open up possibilities for the viewer about what what's going on here. So we think, has Gus changed his mind about who he wants to work with? Uh, or maybe Gus has some, and this is indeed the case, Gus has some bigger purpose in plan here. He has a bigger play. Uh, he's playing chess when uh, we might be expecting him to play checkers. And so I like, I like it when characters show a depth to their thinking, even through scant lines like we see here, that we might not expect or totally anticipate. Yeah, I think your analysis of that is really good. And I think that one of the other things that it does really well, sort of building on something you said, is that it's helping develop the character of Gus. Because right. we don't, at to this point, we don't know too much about him. We know that he is smart, that he's calculating, but we don't know too much about him. And through scenes like this, where he subverts your expectations, we're starting to learn more about him as a character and that he may be smarter than you might have initially anticipated. We sort of got a little bit of this when when Walt initially tried to do the deal with him and he said, look, your partner is a junkie. I'm very careful. You're not careful, even though you think you are. We sort of got his meticulousness there, but we're starting to see that more and more. And to your point, the fact that this will, the, the plan for this if some, is something bigger than just buying the meth that Jesse's cooking that's going to become really important in terms of building out this character of Gus and showing that he is potentially a good match to face off with Walt because Walt is this really smart person. And to this point, he's only dealt with people in the drug industry who are not as smart as him. Like you think back to Tuco, you think to Jesse. I mean, Jesse, and- Combo, Skinny Pete, Tuco, <laughs> yeah. like the whole a Crazy 8. I mean, the whole lot. Crazy yeah. 8 is probably the smartest of all those. But yeah. But- yeah. The whole lineup, uh, not, They're not ex- your road scholars, <laughs> not exactly uh, Brian or uh, Walt's uh, intellectual rival. Exactly. So I think that your point about this being the best writing is well taken because even though it's short, it is developing character in a really deep manner. Right. Exactly. Yeah, totally agree. And I want to come back to that point uh, in the next episode when we do that. So I'll remind you that you said that, Josh, because I think we're going to see more of exactly what you're talking about when uh, Gus and Walt have future interactions. All right, very good. Well, my best writing in the scene is the scene between Jesse and Walt outside of Walt's school. He's just been essentially fired from his job for attempting to kiss the school principal in a very strange scene, Brian I think, I think we is call almost... this um, self-inflicted career sabotage. <laughs> yeah. So he's sort of zoning out in school. The principal says, are you okay? Walt apparently thinks she's coming on to him. He tries to kiss her. And then the next scene we're seeing, he's walking out with a box of his things. Jesse is there. Now in the past, Walt has always approached these meetups in with anger. He's like, how dare you come to my school? How dare you come near my family? They'll find out. But Now, a lot of people seem to know about Walt's dealings. Obviously, the authorities don't, but Skyler knows, and so he's less worried. He's just been fired from his job, and so he sits down with Jesse in his car in the school parking lot with meth in the car, and they just have a conversation. So we'll hear a little bit of that conversation, and then I'll talk about why I picked it as my best rating. I thought about it, and I want to. It's it's one thing I'm good at. No, that is just not true. You're good at a lot of things, son. Like what? 
What about your sobriety? I told you I'm not using. Ever. I just want back into the business. Well, I don't. I'm sorry. I know, and that's cool. I'm not asking you to cook. What's this? In the end, I just went with uh, two reflux condensers. I didn't want to lose track of my pH levels, but I did everything else just like you taught me. Super careful my amounts and watched the numbers every step of the way. So what do you think? It's good, right? What? So I have a lot of thoughts here, Josh, but I'd love to hear what you think first. Yeah. So the reason I like this, this scene in terms of the writing is because again, with regards to your Gus and Mike scene, this subverts your expectations for what you think is going to happen because Walt gets into the car. And again, he's typically very angry when Jesse just shows up or calls him out of the blue, but he's very calm. He's very measured. And he even approaches, you know, he says like, you're good at a lot of things, son. I mean, he even calls him son. So you're seeing that father-son relationship and he actually seems very caring in that moment but as soon as his authority his intelligence is challenged he flips back to being like this offended person and it's almost as if like you think of a parent teaching their child something and then the child coming and saying like look i did it isn't it good and it's you know like a crummy diorama and they're like no it's not good like i I taught you better than this and you shouldn't be doing this on your own and and so i think that I like the dichotomy of the reaction from Walt in the scene, from calm and collected to ultimately being on his toes again. And again, I think it goes back to his inability to be in control. He thought Jesse would never be able to accomplish something like this. And I think he's jealous and angry that Jesse attempted it and mostly succeeded. Yeah, I I like your point about the father-son thing. That's, That's where I was going with this as well. And uh, I'm not a marriage and family therapist, so I don't pretend to be an expert at understanding all of the complex psychological dynamics uh, on both sides of like a domestic um, violence or domestic abuse issue. But my limited understanding is that this is a pattern in a lot of domestic abuse cases that someone will, you know, will basically be one version of themselves and sort of um, gain affection and then all of a sudden flip the switch and be a horrible person. And so, you know, I think this happens in a lot of um, marriages, but I see it happening here in the father-son relationship, like you were just saying, uh, where he is being kind and affectionate, and then all of a sudden just totally putting down his, quote, son. And that's really psychologically powerful because, you know, his, quote, son, in this case, Jesse, was coming to him for approval uh, to, to get some sort of recognition from his father figure that what he did was good. Uh, and not just a father figure. I mean, this is his former chemistry teacher. And so he's done chemistry in the way that his chemistry teacher taught him. And he's proud of it. And his chemistry teacher slash father figure just totally trashes it and puts it down. And that I think has to be super devastating to Jesse. It's kind of hard to watch. Yeah, I totally get that. And it's so sad when he says, you're good at a lot of things. And he literally can't come up with a single thing. Right. Like he doesn't believe that. He's just saying it to sort of 
get Jesse to to move on. So yep. yeah, I think it I think it's just gonna continue to build. The relationship will continue to evolve and in some ways devolve. And this is just another example of that. All right, Zach, let's move on to our best moment before we wrap things up with nit nits to pick and our MVP. Both of ours have no audio, so why don't you just talk a little bit about yours and then I will give mine. Yeah, so I actually uh, I chose mine before I realized that the episode name was Greenlight, but I think that's this has to be why. Uh, so at the very end, um, recall Walt's pulling up to that that stoplight. It is red, and I love the camera shot. This is really why I was thinking about best moment because the camera shot is from the outside of the car looking in from the front, and so the windshield is reflecting the traffic light, and so you see the red light uh, reflecting on the windshield as you're looking at Walt. While he's there, the car that's behind him pulls up next to him. It's driven by Victor, who works for Gus. Victor throws him a big wad of cash and says, your half drives off, right? Uh, and so we, the audience, are assuming this is Walt's half of the deal that Gus cut with Jesse. Jesse's back in. This is a ploy to get Walt back in as well. We'll find out more in the next episode. But that's that's the conclusion we come to. Now, uh, recall that you know, the, the whole setup to this episode, the end of the last episode was was what was out of the game. He told Gus he was done cooking. Uh, and then just before we cut to the credits, uh, someone's beeping at Walt because the light is green. And we see the green light uh, all by itself against the sky as background. And then we cut to credits. And I, I just love that. So is Walt getting back in the game? Time will tell. But it looks like the signal, pun intended, is yes. No, that's a great moment. And I think you're right. It's another example of how the show uses more than just, you know, filming the scene to show something a little deeper. And I love that, you know, the green light is sort of like he has the he has the go if he wants to do it. So it's time to move if it, if he chooses to do so. My best moment in the show is it's much smaller and it really has no bearing on like the characters overall. But I think I appreciate it more because. I've learned more about this character through the prequel, Better Call Saul. But at the beginning of the episode, after Walt tries to assault Ted Beneke, he he's taken away by Mike and he's taken to Saul's uh, place of business in the strip mall. And Saul's basically trying to get him to start cooking again so that he can obviously he has a vested interest because he gets money when he launders it. And Walt has no desire to do that. And he attacks Saul. He basically pulls him over the desk, throws him on the ground, starts hitting him. And Mike, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in Breaking Bad, again, now that I know more about him from Better Call Saul, he's so stoic in the moment. He's literally reading a magazine, just watching Walt beat up Saul. And then he just very calmly gets up out of his chair, pulls Walt off and says, like, break it up. But he, it's like so simple. But it's just such a great moment for as a character because it just shows that we don't know much about Mike as a character. We were only introduced to him at the very end of season two. And we can tell from these little moments that he has a past, that you know he's been through some stuff. And he, it's not the first time he's seen someone pull someone over the table and start beating up. Because if I was in that situation, I'd be like, everybody drop down. Guys, guys, what's going on? <laughs> There's something happening. We got to get someone in here who can break this up. And Mike is just very calm. So I just love that about that character. Yeah, I think that was a, it was a good scene as well. And I, I also share your uh, appreciation of Mike having watched Better Call Saul. You definitely yeah. get to know a lot more about his backstory. And Vince Gilligan does a great job crafting that through the, the prequel, Better Call Saul. Yeah. 
All right, Zach, last thing to do here, any nits to pick, and then we'll give our MVP. So I'll throw it to you first, your nits to pick for this episode. Sure, I've got a couple of minor ones. The first is that Hank is interviewing this uh, meth head in the station when he's trying to find out where the blue meth came from. And I mean, I don't I don't know many meth heads, but uh, I'd be curious to know uh, your impression of the scene as well. It just struck me as this method is like a parody of methods. Like, yeah, it was yeah, just absolutely. it was just too far. Like, I understand that meth is not good for your brain cells <laughs> and uh, cognitive function is inversely related to, uh, you know, periodic meth usage yeah. um, and frequency. But this was this was too far. This was uh, the, like the scene almost belonged in a cartoon. It was that dumb. Like, I almost expect to see this in like South Park or something. Yeah, it was almost like a Saturday Night Live sketch of a meth head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he was like, I can't think of his name. Um, um, I think it was, uh, uh and it was just like a lot of that for yeah. uh, three or four minutes. Precisely, was, yeah. It was a little much. So that's one nit. And then the second one was when Hank is doing his investigation, he goes up to that gas station. He parks yeah. like super far away. <laughs> Did you notice that? He's like super far away. I didn't until away. you pointed it out. I read it in the outline and I just started laughing because I was like, why would he? There's no one there. It's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, he's super far away. And he just walks all the way into the gas station. Like, what? Well, you know, Hank's a little overweight. Maybe he needs, maybe he's getting maybe. steps in. Yeah. Getting, got his little Fitbit on. Exactly. This was the, this is before Fitbits though, man. This is, That's true. you know, 2010. Whew. That's right. Whew. So my, I have a couple of small nitpicks as well. The first one is, so one of the early scenes as we talked about takes place in the, the Ted Beneke corporation, whatever it's called. Yeah. And, uh, Walt walks into the office, he talks to the receptionist, and then he walks to Ted's office, which is in the lobby of this place. (laughs) That's a good point. I don't really understand this. I I couldn't like really figure out why it was in the lobby. And then Walt is escorted out by not one, not two, but three security guards. Yeah, good point. Like, what are they doing there? I know they're cooking the books, but... Like, do they need three security guards at Beneke Engineering or whatever it's called? It seems By the way, very I, j- I just looked it up. It is actually Beneke Fabricators. Look at that. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Very good. What is a, what is a fabricator? What do they do? I, I don't even uh, know if I know what they do. So I, th- well, yeah, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I think fabricators make things like sheet metal for construction, okay. like construction materials, I believe. Look, if it's not right, you fooled me. So there you go. Oh, look. Right, so my- I just clicked, I just clicked type manufacturer of building materials. Look at that. Hey. Look at you. Look this at you. all this knowledge is buried deep in the recesses of my brain. <laughs> totally useless. Except on podcasts like this. My last nit to pick is that when we see the scene of Walt zoning out in his classroom, is it just me or do all of his students look at least 30 years old? Yes. Like they are definitely not high schoolers. Yeah, this is a common problem Sally and I have noticed as well. Uh this happens we were watching uh To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Yeah. And its sequel. And uh it's a common problem whenever you're filming movies or scenes in movies or shows that require high school students very difficult to get a large cadre of qualified actors to do those roles so you end up getting a room full of 25 to 30 year olds who try to look young and don't always yeah. pull it off <laughs> yeah i'm totally fine with it you know in shows where the the actors need to do something useful sure. but like these were just extras they didn't have a single you could have line literally gone to a public high school in albuquerque and be like hey can we use you guys for exactly. a scene exactly All right, so the last thing to do for this episode is to pick our MVP. Zach, did you have an MVP vote for this episode? You know, Slim Pickens. Yeah, it really is Slim Pickens. Um, I I know it's tough. Yeah, it is tough. I think I'm going to go with Jesse. Okay. Um, He has the opening scene with the cashier. Uh, You already pointed out his character transformation. I think we see the biggest results of character transformation in him. 
He also has the scene uh, with Walt in the car, the father-son thing that we talked about there. Um, and I think his his performance is good. Uh, he drives the episode along a little bit. Uh, he's also the reason why we have the whole storyline with Hank in this episode, chasing down the blue meth. So I think Jesse's character is most central to the to the plot, uh, and so I'll go with him. You make a compelling case, but I'm going to have you add a line on our spreadsheet oh, because this one is going right. to Ted Beneke. No, of course it's of course it's not. It Woo. is going to Walt for me for this episode. I think he has equal time with with Jesse in this episode, and I think that his story in this episode of dealing with the the fallout of Skyler's affair and also trying to figure out how he's going to proceed in his life, whether he's going to move forward with the meth business or not. I just think he has the most that drives forward, but I totally take your point. I think Jesse also has a lot to do in this episode. I'll give you a teaser and say that my pick for the next episode might be someone who surprises you. Oh, wow. Well, that definitely teases me and I hope it teases our audience as well. Zach, anything else to add for season three, episode four, Greenlight? That is it, Josh. Always a pleasure. All right, so we will be back next week with a brand new episode. We're going to be talking about season three, episode five. It's called Moss. And we will talk to you then. As always, for Breaking Pod, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then. <laughs>